Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome <laughs> to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United. I'm part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett after Manchester United. Ah. <laughs> uh... Lose at home to Galatasaray in the most shoot-yourself-in-the-foot performance I think I might have ever seen in my life. It is absolutely incredible. I mean, incredible. Rob, we, we don't do post-match pods because I think that part of the the shtick of this was meant to be, don't go too high, don't go too low. Let's, oh, yeah. Let's wait for the dust to settle a little bit and come in with a little bit more of a measured take. How measured can you be currently? Well, we cleverly decided, didn't we, that we thought that we would do a post-match show here. And I think I said to people, either join us for a celebration of great football and a win, or maybe some tears. And uh, I don't know about you, Scott, that defensive performance has me crying, at least inside here. Um, I have tears of... uh, Rob, I am past... I have tears of laughter. I am past despair for this lot. Like I really am. I'm just... I'm looking at it for what it is, an absolute mess that is sitting in front of me every time they step out on the pitch. But sorry, anyway, keep going. It was both tragic and comedic in all in one go. But I think the funny thing is, is that those things that happened tonight just were not funny. Like the stuff that happened in the back four tonight is just ludicrous. You know, there's no amount of coaching, tactics, anything that you can bring as a manager and say to players right, you're going to be that badly out of position. You're going to, you're going to respond to that situation that badly in an individual, uh, in an individual tone. And they're all culpable at the back today, aren't they? You know, like I think in the last game, we said about Crystal Palace, that transition from midfield to attacking into the final third was a problem. Tonight, Man United seemed to sort that out. Actually played some decent attacking football, had the ball in the net a few times, but was so bad defensively like, all I can think is, Scott, if that wasn't Galatasaray, if that was Arsenal, if that was Liverpool, if that was Man City, we'd be talking about seven or eight again. That's how bad they were defensively. So, yeah, today we're going to unpack some of that. So, guys, obviously, thank you all for joining us live. So, please tell yeah, us in was, the comments yeah. what you thought and all of that. And we'll, we'll try and uh, sift through some of the rubble of, uh, of today's football match. Yeah, if you are listening, we will upload this as an audio podcast as well. So, uh, bear in mind, if you are listening on audio tomorrow or, or something like that, this is uh, a live show with uh, our friends on YouTube uh, so I'll bring up some comments. There's plenty of them coming in. Ethan says, these useless lot are going to get another manager sacked. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. Hello, Europa League. Jo- uh, Joseph, I think if you're being lucky. optimistic there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, organisms adapt to their environment, says uh, Lieutenant Columbo's glass eye. Organisms adapt to their environment. I tweeted at one point during the match after Ho- Hoyland just scored his second goal, please don't ruin him. Because it looks in Rasmus Hoyland that United actually have something pure and, you know, bit rough around the edges, but you can you can make something good out of it. But the problem is, like, 
players come into United and adapt to their environment and just become part of the mess that we well, see. Did you see Hoyland when when the when the third goal went in? It, it the camera flashed to Hoyland and he was just like, "What is going? What is happening?" This was meant to be his night. This was meant I'm, to be his night like, for the headlines. I, 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 I'm doing my job up this end, and we're we you know we're popping the ball around the box and we're actually getting in the box and getting chances, but at the back. Like you, you can only imagine what that dressing room is like at this very moment. Now you can only imagine how catastrophic it must feel in there with those players because it was just a complete implosion of something like we we haven't really seen United do that for a while, have we? More comments. Uh, we are awful <laughs> from GB two fifty one. Joseph is optimistic even after watching that. Fair place as will. I mean, yeah, that's a. Uh in reference to the Europa League comment we just met, just read out a, a minute ago a couple of comments from Michael Hill Andrew Nana I mean I can't can't defend it so far sorry um yeah so th- sorry there's loads of comments here I can uh, we can do an entire show uh but we will. We'll do the entire show. We will. Comments. I mean yeah uh, we appreciate the comments keep them coming in also because we're live um please let us know if you see Eric, what Eric Ten Hag says, because I'm going to have to watch what he said after this press conference. But I'll mm. keep I'll keep an eye on uh, the social medias too. He's got to be annoyed. He surely must. You see actually... the the images of him standing in the rain at the end. Yeah, with doing his, this uh, shiny shiny head head like that. <laughs> like that, that's my Eric Ten Hag there. Um, oh man, it is like you know, people would see they obviously watch our show and you know, don't get too high, don't get too low, and they see we're balanced and all of this. But this is a tiny bit of what we're like, you know, like I've just been at the end there, like screaming, like everyone else is screaming. I'm uh, Rob, I was laughing. <laughs> I know <laughs> you, la- was... you you sent me a message laughing, and I went, I don't know, Scott, is Scott laughing? Is he crying? It was one of no, those I'm... emojis where someone's crying their eyes out, and it's like, well, you actually think it's more like tears, but. It's it's just so bizarre, isn't it? Like I just like we're going to unpack this. Like I said, we, we, more and more people are joining the live stream here now, and thanks all for all your comments and, and and joining us tonight. But we're going to have to talk about the defense, aren't we? Because that is what this show is going to be about. You know, we talk about Nana, Varane, Lindelof, and Delo primarily. All of them having shockers, and then Amrabat, yes, isn't a left back, but I thought actually did some really good things in the game. Travelled all over the football pitch, but. Just such a disappointing night, Scott. But I think also just shows that Manchester United are not a Champions League club. Nah, yeah, I know. That's, I think, um, maybe the truth, the, the big takeaway from it. PJ says, need to change the name of the podcast. It's now a false representation of United. So, yeah, I mean, Man United, oh, right Manchester United have reached the promised <laughs> land is the is where the, the title of the, the podcast comes from. They mm. are not getting back there this season. Let's just say no. that. Uh, that is not happening. But... What were you saying just before I, I jumped in there, Rob? Sorry. I don't know. Something about me wanting to cry. That's how I feel at the moment. It's like it's... Uh, oh, I, I said, really, talk- we're, go- we're going to be talking about the defence, aren't we? Because that is the big takeaway here in terms of chatty terms. Like what happened tonight was that your defence... If your defence done even a bit of its job tonight, Scott, you win the game. That's it. You know, like when you score a goal, defend for 10 minutes... Don't concede one. And then, you know, you know, Will Zaha is not actually that strong in the box. You know, Delo, you should deal with that, shouldn't you? And every goal just felt like that. It was like, what are you actually doing as a as a unit? I, I don't know. That, that, is that coaching, Scott? What do you think? How, how do you see that? Tonight, I mean, I think 
pressure is obviously going to mount on the manager. Um, I think I said the other day that, you know, I don't want to go through the process of another manager having to leave because United, the, the problems above the manager, hmm. they come out on the pitch all the time. You can, like, yeah. absolutely, like Eric Ten Hag chose Onana. Like, he absolutely did. Yes. And while I, I'm very much on board with you need a player who can pass, Ten Hag chose Onana specifically. I wasn't really sure. I'm not just saying this now because it's not going too well, but I, you know, I hadn't seen enough of him to really say that this is going to be the guy, this is going to be the one. But I, I know that we we know what he can do, but also we know that he's capable of making errors like the ones he's made in the last two Champions League games as well totally. as some of the other games as well. Um, I wanted David Raya, by the way. I said it. Apparently, <laughs> apparently David Raya did not play well tonight either. Oh, well, there so, you um, go. So there you go. It's Arsenal. It I think Arsenal lost to Lons. So, um, right, where do we want to start then? So it looks to me this game was lost based on Andrea Nana passing the ball out to an opposition player on the edge of his own box. I think that's that's pretty much... As much as you want to look at United conceding goals within five minutes of them scoring twice or whatever it was, I, I forget how many minutes it is, but at least they were at 2-2 there. Hmm. What Onana does... And we did say at the start of the season, we're probably going to get some moments with Onana's distribution where you've got your your, your heart in your it, mouth. said it a lot. And said it a lot. Yeah. You're probably going to have to get used to it because, but that's something you take as long as everything else is going pretty well. But it seems at the moment that I saw somebody tweet, we, <laughs> we swapped a goalkeeper. I can't remember who it was. Sorry. Uh, we swapped a goalkeeper who had no feet and all hands for a, a, a goalkeeper who's got no, no the other way around. Sorry, all hands, no feet. <laughs> yeah. uh, for a keeper who's got all feet, no hands. And he's not, you know, the the pass giveaway to, I can't remember who it was, was it Mertens or or something like that? And, yeah. You know, forced Casemiro into the second booking. I think Casemiro's yeah. performance was wayward at times as well. Some of his passing was wayward. Uh, but he did some good things, but it was very mm. much 50-50. Couldn't blame Casemiro there, really. I think he was just trying no. to do what he could. They did miss the penalty, but then, you know, United just gave it United anyway. down, down a man and obviously they kind of lose their heads. Mm. We know that this team are terrible at dealing with situations and to lose, to go down to 10 men and concede a penalty. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> yeah, they, they, they lack guts in those situations. I think we know that. It's pretty, pretty obvious, isn't it? I, I think things have just got, when looking at the Inanna, the Inanna situation, it, 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 when I come out of the back of this game, it isn't the actual pass for me that really like causes me nightmares because, like you said, there it's something we'd said before. He is going to make that pass every day. He's going to try to make that pass, and you can look at this technically and tactically in different ways. So, of course, he gives the ball away. It's a penalty, and and Casemiro sacrifices himself. You could also look at it the other way and think back twelve months ago, and again, it reminded me of that moment where De Gea played the ball to Ericsson too short and it didn't get to the player. And then that time when he played to Maguire and didn't quite get there and Maguire doesn't turn and doesn't get the ball out quick enough. And that pass was inaccurate towards Casemiro. And really, what should he have done there? He should have just put his foot through it. Put foot through it, clear it, clear your lines. But Anana's been been bought to specifically not do that. So it's like an issue from last year that I still think, and I'm going to keep saying it, 
Players don't move when Anana got, has got the ball. And that concerns me still that here we are months into the season. And when he gets the ball, the pivot stands still. Casemiro should not be standing still. He should be moving into the space so he can be found. But he's standing where he's almost the wrong side of the uh, Akadi. Akadi. I think it was Akadi, wasn't it? Ran through. And then yeah. obviously you bring him down because that's the only choice you've got there. And then thankfully Akadi puts the ball the wrong side of the post and you're very lucky. But Scott, the whole thing for me, when we're looking at Anana, what really concerns me is that when you look at Akadi's goal, when he scored, what what's the goalkeeper easy doing to beat, going yeah. to ground like that? Yeah, because... It's not the first time either. At the very... The, the one thing that's really highlighted through the whole of this season, every match I've watched Anana play, and the bit that this is the bit that's really surprised me, the ball playing doesn't surprise me. That's his game. He wants to play the ball with his feet, and he's good at that in general, not tonight but in general. But what's really shocked me is how he gets stuck to his line, like absolutely pinned, almost in that six-yard box. And we used to criticise De Gea about it all the time, didn't it? De Gea doesn't close angles. De Gea doesn't come for stuff. De Gea doesn't come for catches. Tonight, it was one big mistake again where the ball's flashed across the box and he mistimes it and parries the ball and that could have easily been a tap-in. So we'd have been talking about that tonight. So Anana's going to have to take a lot of this. Like At the end of the day... You, you, you goalkeepers live and die by these mistakes, don't they? And you have to build up collateral as you go along. You actually have to build up the credit. And and Anana's not been at the club long enough to build up credit. You know, I even think De Gea used to have that credit simply because of being player of the year multiple times. I got why people defended him, but at the same time, it was time for him to leave. You just say, no, you weren't so sure about Anana. I was pleased with the signing. I was happy that we brought him in. But what I'm not happy about, Scott, and this is the bit I would put towards Ten Hag, is why are your players, when your goalkeeper has got the ball, why are they not moving? Because I see that every game. I watch them. They're very static. They stand in position. And that is really easy to counter-press against. So is that the players? Is the manager telling them one thing and they're doing another? As you said there about Casemiro, Casemiro sacrifices himself rightfully. That's what you do if you're, you're in that moment. But he's not moving for the ball. He's just kind of stood in the pivot and waiting for it to come. But of course, Anana, it's his fault at the end of the day. He plays that pass. It's his decision. He did make a point to come out and speak to media directly after the last mistake he made in the Champions League. So I'd be going home if I was him. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I mean, like well, we haven't even said, uh, hopefully, if you're joining us for the first time, please subscribe to the channel uh, wherever you get your podcasts and watch us. We, we usually do uh, Tuesdays and Fridays twice a week on YouTube, uh, but with the Champions League, we said we might do Mondays and Thursdays, maybe the occasional live. Back to Thursdays, Scott. It doesn't Scott. seem like we're going to do, be doing much Champions League. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Although tonight, thanks for joining us if you're with us. Uh, like the video, please. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and leave a comment for us as well. Pop the notification bell on so you don't miss a show as well. Mm. And uh, follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram and TikTok. At underscore Rob underscore B on X, and you can subscribe to Rob's YouTube channel uh, at underscore Rob underscore B as well, and at Promise and MU on X for the show's Twitter. Do you want to do more Onana? Wait, yeah, wait. just one. There's, a, there's one here. There's a comment there from PJ. You can flash that up, Scott. Scott Long passing accuracy. The, that, yeah, please. The thirty percent something one. That, that, do you know what, what? What I see in this is here, and obviously with this. I just say this thing. out loud for the benefit of audio. PG says. Uh, 
PJ says, I saw a stat that Onana has the worst long pass accuracy in the league, 30% or something. And, and that's been an adjustment for him. So when you're playing Serie A, guess what? You don't get pressed as much. So quite often you see Onana gets the ball. When there isn't movement, he does that kind of clip towards the wing, doesn't he? And guess what? The ball comes straight back. So that's why that's like that 30%. And that's not good enough, is it? Like you've bought a ball playing goalkeeper. Man United from defence and midfield, you've got to start playing ball a bit more, haven't you? And that's why they're giving that ball away. And Anon himself hasn't worked that out. So that's on him as well. Uh, Best and Cantona. Hello, mate. Uh, hope you're well. I don't know how good... I don't know how good you are with your feet. If you're not a good shot stopper, you're not a good keeper. I mean, that's a fair point. Absolutely fair point. Yeah. We were hoping that... But Anana last year had a better league. better save percentage, better shot-stopping percentage than De Gea. So let's let's operate in some facts. Is that when we bought Anana, he, he did have those statistics and he was obviously way too Because he was, it. well, I mean... You'd but think he's playing in Italy. Playing in Italy, playing, in a, playing with a back three, back five in front of him. Exactly. A little bit more security rather than what United are... Whatever United are. And that's um, the horror show of tonight, though, Scott, is that it is, it's about the whole defence, isn't it? Like, we can talk about the goalkeeper for 90 minutes. That's fine if people wanted that. But it doesn't really get us anywhere because what we're seeing from, like, say, Lindelof is very Lindelof things. What we're seeing from Varane now, I don't know what you want to say about this, Scott. You know, Varane got ran twice there and was out of position. And you kind of think to yourself, what happened to the Rolls-Royce? You know, Delo doing Delo things at right back, panicking, not quite sure what he's doing, coming inside when he shouldn't. The the the, the, the Zaha goal is just ridiculous. Like in a one on one like that, to be the to to be the right side of your player and still allow him to get the shot off like that. It, well, again, no was like that. I know, I know Delo's like that. You know Delo's like that. Everyone knows Delo's like that, but he can't do it, Scott. Like, I was just thinking, oh, Aaron Wambasaka, where are you in that moment? Because obviously he'd have, he'd have tackled him there, wouldn't he? You know, you would just know he would. But you can't wish for those things. You know, you've got to go do the job that you're you're paid to do. And the whole back four today, I said Amrabat did get done behind once or twice, but I think you expect that because he's not a left back. Not a left back, yeah. But he did really well in midfield. I thought when he when he progressed, well, he was actually overlapping tonight, and I was thinking, wow, like he's actually going on the outside here of uh, of Rashford. That's quite interesting to see. But oh, just a, such a exasperating defensive display. Uh, Shersha, hope I've uh, pronounced that properly. Sorry. Uh, says, I love how immune you guys have become to it. I have the same feeling. I'm laughing at our situation. It's all you can do, really. Like, because if you just get so irate and angry, you know that United aren't getting out of this situation anytime soon. Yeah. You know that we've been stuck in this loop for 10 years. So just, <laughs> it's really hard to say because football is a massive part of everybody's life. United are a massive part of everybody's life. Like Rob and I work in football. It's lit. I can't escape it. No, you know. So it's it's never easy. Like I told this story once or twice. I started working in football the day, the the season after Sir Alex Ferguson left, and all I've had in my time working in football is this. Yeah, you know. I suppose it's uh, it's payback for me enjoying uh the my years growing up watching United actually win things i think someone's saying to me they talk about bruno should we get to that point a little bit later <laughs> people always want me to talk about bruno scott i don't know why do you, do you know what we can talk about bruno but i think this is this is a point that i would like to make about the entire team tonight and i put casemiro mm. in this why christian erickson was brought on at half time is probably because i think eric ten Hag saw what i saw yeah they kick the ball up in the air they yeah. kick the ball at each other yeah, they, there is not one composed head yeah. on that pitch. 
None of them can get this foot on the ball, take a touch, turn, pivot, and, and pass it to their to their mate next to them or, or break the lines. None of them. And we're it. talking about Bruno's a creative. People moan about Marcus all the time with his passing, and I understand that. I think he, you know, he can't particularly pass a ball. But you've got Casemiro of all his Champions League trophies where he played in that midfield with all those great players. Why is it that ball progression in that part of the park is a problem? And as you said there, like I thought Hannibal played okay in the first half, and you see the energy he gives you. And yet in the second half, when United got the ball in the deck and started playing it better, and obviously through Ericsson, and Ericsson had a big, profound impact, didn't he, on the ball? You saw that. Was that Man United then completely lost their engine, didn't they? They completely lost the engine. So you took Hannibal out, who was your engine cog, and then you're you're saying to Casemiro, you're going to have to do the engine work. Bruno, you're going to have to do the engine work. And then we're going to let Ericsson have some room to kind of breathe. Ericsson did his job, but then the engine had gone. So you'd lost you'd lost uh, Hannibal, and it showed because Galatasaray then went from midfield to defence with their eyes closed over and over and over again. What are you laughing at, Scott? We were playing one-touch passing. There you go. For all of about ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, there's just not an ounce of composure in this team. It's like, really, it's really interesting, Scott. Right? I just want to add on about. I'm going to add Marcus into this, right? Marcus Rashford, really good assist, yeah? Would we all agree on that, yeah? On the right-hand side for, for the header. He lifts it perfectly, gets it up, he puts it right on his head, puts it in the one place where the striker can can put the ball away. Then he breaks the offside trap, obviously, from deep, and he's running in, and he's thinking, quite like this assist, Lark. I'm just going to square the ball, and I'm just shouting at the television, shoot, shoot, shoot. Be greedy in that moment. Be greedy. Shoot. And he didn't. He passed it. And you lose. so all these things add up. You see, when we talk about the whole performance, because they're just confused. He looked in that moment. And sorry, we're jumping around. We don't really have a an order to run through here because it's just post match reaction. It's post match reaction, so it's a little bit raw, a little bit you know this kind of thing. But Rashford going through on that moment, it just looked like he had somebody bail me out. I don't know what I'm, I'm I'm afraid to miss this chance. He looked like he he was shot of confidence. As he got closer to the goal, it was like, it was almost like slow motion was, it was getting to the goal and he's thinking now on my left side, I just bring this on my right and I just put it in that bottom corner, but I'm on the right now and I don't like this. So what will I do? And you actually saw him almost looking for the bus. You know, like when people are running for the bus, looking over their shoulder, he's like, who's the runner? Oh, there's, there's Bruno. Right, I'll pass it. I'll square it to you, Bruno. You'll tap it in. Except the pass wasn't good enough and Bruno wasn't there in time. So just like, again, last year, like Marcus puts his foot through that, doesn't he? Marcus doesn't think. He puts that in the bottom corner and we're saying what a great piece of like transition football to break the offside trap. Does it concern you that, like I'm just going to bring this, this comment from Wandering Propeller. Great name. I'll be the glass half full guy. I saw a clear plan from Ten Hag, which in the first half was working well, as you could expect, given that it's clear the team's confidence is shattered in the second half too. I mean, what I wanted to... Maybe this is a criticism that I will level at Ten Hag. I mean, we know he said that he he wants United to dominate games. We know that he's... But the the line that I've I've said repeated, really, the one that sticks out to me, best transition team in the world. You did get good transition through United tonight, but that's probably because Galatasaray came out and played and give it give a bit it's, it's kind of in the premier league united pro- probably don't get as much space hoyland for example does not get as much space to yeah. to score the second goal 
generally in the Premier League. Hoyland no. doesn't get as much space to kind of have the ability to hold that play up like he did at times. I thought he was really good tonight, Hoyland. Uh, so that's one plus point. Mm. But one thing for me is, surely this team needs to control matches better. And I looked at that and I tweeted before the game, United played five central midfielders tonight or five five midfielders. Let's just call them midfielders, whether it's DM or up to yeah, yeah. central midfielder, attacking midfield. Yeah. That's five players and they still could not control that football match. Like there's, they, they maybe they control elements of it, but there's mm. not one player in there really that will just dictate tempo or keep things ticking over. Casemiro yeah. can't do it anymore. Like, so is that who's on is is that Ten Hag's fault or is this the players just not being suitable but he's overseen the, a lot of those players being brought in I, I just go to that comment there cuz I I said something to you before we went live which kind of marries up with that and as I said to you I said the the sad thing about tonight is that United actually played quite a lot of good football at times there was enough in there for you to go and win this football match but like you're just saying there Scott it's the same pillar that we talk about all the time, control. You know, and this is why I get on Bruno Fernandes' back. This is why I talk about certain players, the stars of the team, that we expect to do certain amount of their role because it's not good enough saying, ah, oh, but they got the stats and the metrics and this, this and this, but, you know, they just give the ball away like countless amount of times. In this kind of game today, Scott, you played 4-1-4-1 initially. And again, I thought Mason Mount, like it's funny we're talking here, we've not mentioned Mason Mount yet, but I thought he played quite well. Again, thought he travelled well. I think he links play well. He gets in the final third and it's a work in progress. Like he is not the greatest midfielder in the world, but he's in his first days at Man United. I thought it was the same with Amrabat as well. But when we're talking about this team, it's like Casemiro, I think we should talk about the defenders here as well, Varane and Lindelof and Delow. These people have been at the club a long time now. Yeah, and then you go further up the pitch and we're saying we're happy with our striker tonight, aren't we? Because he did striker things and helped the attack out and showed showed what he's got in his locker as a young lad. But if you want to play football, Scott, you've got to put your foot on the ball and stop the game sometimes. So as soon as you've gone 1-0 up, as soon as you've scored your goals, stop the game, slow it down, take a breath, you know, breathe. And then let everyone reset. And United cannot do that for whatever reason. They score a goal and they're like children. They're like running around the playground. This oh, was, look. This was like Ollie ball. This was, it's this was exactly like that. It was exactly the same. And it's the same kind of players doing the same kind of things. So this is this is why I will mention Bruno. Because Bruno's our captain. He's our leader. I'm not digging him out. But you need Bruno Fernandes, this kind of game, to go, lads, calm down. Put the ball in the deck, play five-yard stuff and go back to Inanna 20 times. Slow it down. Take the pace out of the game now because you're winning. Football is about winning. And that's what Man United are not good at. Man United do not know. They don't score goals, but they don't really know how to control games. And if you can't control a game, you watch Man City. Every time they score, Scott, for 10 minutes, nothing happens. They just put the ball on the deck, move it around play really slowly within themselves, and then they start building back up their tempo and their rhythm. United just do not have that. So that is something that Ten Hag, I think, can be asked about. I think you can say, why does your team not have that rhythm? And I'm sure he'll say to us, well, that's what I've been training them to do. <laughs> I've been telling them to it's do it. It's not showing, though, do it. is it? Like, it's not as showing, much as, Like, Mason Mount did some good things, but he was definitely culpable of kicking the ball in the air. Yeah. Like, I, I saw him do it numerous times, just lumping the ball in the air, just 
trying to pick a pass around the corner, some yeah. impossible pass. But I'm not going to. I'm really not going to look at the new lads, a new new players, because I think the new players, you, even Anana, I'm kind of giving a little bit of a pass to because. But you don't get away with it when you're the goalkeeper as much. But I think when you look at the newer players in this team, and I include Hannibal in that as well, like Hannibal for 45 minutes. That it was once or twice where he gave the ball away in transition and he had to sprint back and he couldn't quite get there. But I'm not worried about that because I think if a young player does that, they'll learn through that process. But if Casemiro does it, if Bruno does that, I'm worried because they're senior players. Do you know what I mean? So you brought on Ericsson to solve that, to put the ball in the deck and control it and to get you in more creative positions. And it did work, didn't it? But then there was just this chasm through United from the midfield all the way through from the number six to the central defensive-ish play, uh, channels. Uh, I think it's as bad as I've ever seen it, Scott. I'll say that. For any manager I've seen at Man United in 10 years, that was as bad as I've seen a defensive display. I saw it quite bad with Moyes once or twice and with Ole once or twice. You know, Jose would park the bus and Van Gaal was very good at parking the bus as well. She didn't really see that tonight in those games with them. But I think Ten Hag has got something to talk about here now because these are, are things that can be viewed as tactical. But I also do think it's individual just incompetence from Champions League winners that you expect more from. Yeah, I, I have seen Christian Eriksen has been speaking. I think he must be the first one out. Said that the it's quiet in the dressing room. It's sad. It's a big disappointment. It was very quiet in the dressing room, he says. But that's sad, isn't it? Because I don't want quiet in the dressing room after that. I know, that, that's kind of worrying, actually. I want smash the dressing room up, right? And that's from don't get too high, don't get too high, uh, low, Mr. Man here. Yeah, if you're if you are in that game and you're a player, when I was a player back in the day, Scott, you know, when I was a bit younger, that's how I would be. If I was angry about something from a game, I would go in the dressing room and lose my, you know, lose my rag and go completely mad because that's the place to do it, isn't it? It's there. That's when you're there as a team and as a unit. You don't want them sat there sad. What's sad that you play badly? Sad that you let Galatasaray run through you? Don't be sad. Get up and get on with it. Find a way to make it better. So that is worrying, I would say, if I'm Ten Hag, because I want my players to be angry about it. Well, who's sad? Think about it. I'm trying to think individuals. Who's sad? Yeah, sad they're going, mean, oh no. Shell shocked a little bit. I think they're shell shocked. Yeah, it's. I'm on a podcast. I should probably know what to say here, but I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> it's like, get in the minds of those players. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's what you want really in there is somebody who has a football brain. And like, I'm, I, that's, I don't want to be harsh, but what United need sometimes is just a, a cool head or mm. four cool heads who can just, and they don't have them. Like, no. Bruno Fernandes is your captain. He is the, the opposite of a cool head. He just exactly. doesn't, doesn't have one. Uh, Ericsson, as, as we mentioned, was brought on to uh, to actually bring a cool head in, into the game, and that mm. it did actually work. But obviously, then you know we saw what we saw. Do, 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 have we done the defense properly yet? Because really. let's, let's do the defense properly. Because we talked about Onana, obviously making the errors that he's made, mm. and they're going to have to persist with him. And Ron Davide is still a free agent, so I don't know. Maybe some and resigning. <laughs> Maybe some. I don't know. Can can you sign players in the uh, outside a window if they're a free agent? He's a free agent, so you can sign him now. He could go in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Start the petition. Um, but the defense. So 
one of those players that I talk about that actually has a bit of composure on the ball is Alessandro Martinez, who is mm-hmm. not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Eric Ten Hag is using two centre backs. Rafa Varane has never been like that kind of player that you associate with being the coolest player on the ball. Like Alessandro Martinez is better better on the ball than Varane is. Like, yeah, but Varane is just overall like a perhaps come into the end. Maybe I mean this would would surprise me if this wasn't his last season. Um, but Varan Lindelof, Dallo, yeah, Amrabat, you give a pass because like he's playing at left back and he's actually he's showing enough. Like he can, he could mm. maybe he could be that player in the middle of the pitch who could keep things ticking over. But he's not playing there uh, permanently at the moment. But yeah, yeah. So, what's your thoughts on those three? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, we were asked a question, weren't we, um, before, you know, why did you rush Martinez back? You saw tonight why they rushed Martinez back. You absolutely saw tonight why they feel they need Lissandra Martinez in that team, even if he's only got a little bit of his foot injured. You know, so I mean, this is this is part of the problem is that you had a really prime opportunity to strengthen your defence with Kim Min-Jay. You didn't do that. That was your choice. But Scott, I think like the bigger side of this is here is that, yeah, we can talk about Varane getting older. We can talk about you know, Amrabat being out of position. But I think when you look at Lindelof and Delo, and I said in our last show, I'm not convinced after seeing what I've seen, both long-term and short-term, that Lindelof is better than Harry Maguire in that position. I'm not convinced. And tonight, I actually think Harry Maguire in that channel, playing in that side of the centre-back, would have just been a bit more composed. And what you saw with Lindelof today was he got dragged out of position countless times He's an experienced centre-back. He's not a boy yet. This is not Axel Tuinzebi having a bad day in the Champions League. This is this is an experienced international footballer. And he got dragged out in that second half. And it looked like, like no one had a clue. It's like they'd never seen it before. But of course, we've seen it so many times. And then Varane's exposed because Varane's just coming back for an injury. And you could see he didn't have the straight line speed. Delow never wants to tuck in enough. And then they're just a mess, aren't they? So... I think if you're the manager, you might be saying, well, it's slim pickings for me. But do you know what you've got to do then, Scott? You've, you've got to set up everything around them really tight. You know, you've got to then go to say, if it's that bad, when you've got your goal, go 4-2-3-1, put seven players there in that zone. Don't have inverted fullbacks. Just go really solid. Keep your goal and go and win the game 1-0. That's all that matters. And I think that is something that, again, we can challenge Ten Hag on because Ten Hag wants to play more expansively, but you cannot play more expansively with these players. You can't. In the future, with new players, maybe. But, 
you know, if your number six can't run and we know Casemiro can't, guess what? He ain't going to be able to cover the, the centre-backs in that in that way if Hannibal's not there. So you take Hannibal out of the team, you lose your engine, you've got no engine. So the manager must know that. And I just think, was it a gamble? Did he just think, well, these are experienced players, they should be able to deal with it. They're better than Galatasaray. Um, but as I said, I, we did play some really good football today at times. But overall, you've lost the football match and you're probably going out of the Champions League. Aaron says, just got back home from the game. Wow, we are so bad. Yeah. Um, it was it, everything about tonight was it was pouring with rain. You know, there were errors. There were players slipping over. It just seemed like. I'm so glad know, I'm not on that motorway. Yeah. I get, Rob, uh, Rob travels a fair bit to actually get to and from Old Trafford. Yeah. Uh, weekly or bi-weekly. Yes. Do a lot but, of miles um, for this football team. Yeah. And so do a lot of people they and do. they keep watching that like in various forms, but they, they keep watching whatever we, we saw. And I, I tweeted at times and I think this is my big takeaway is I just don't, there's nobody there who has a mature head. Very no. few people there who has a mature head on their shoulders that can actually take a grip of a match and drag their team through by a little bit of composure. I tweeted in the sorry for if this is a little bit blunt we are watching the stupidest team in world football like <laughs> it's about right <laughs> and the thickest group of players i've ever come across that that's kind of how i felt tonight and another thing that i tweeted as well i always find it so incredible that a club makes such a big deal about actually qualifying for this for the champions league and i know that you get a lot of money uh, as a club get knocked out <laughs> to play like that you, yeah. you work all season last year like fight tooth and nail to kind of finish in the top four to mm. play like that. Yeah. To play. Like I just that. said to my son at the end of the game, I just said to him, I went, I said, I said, we shouldn't be in the champions league. Like now, when you look at this as we are with the injuries and where where things are and some of the issues on and off the pitch, this team is not ready for a champions league run. Not at all. In the same way, it's not ready to challenge for the premier league. Whereas six months ago, you did feel better about that. You did think, Oh, progress trophy, et cetera, et cetera. You call them stupid, Scott. Like I, I looked at this, and we talk about experience. Manchester United's average age today as a team was twenty six point six years. Yeah, they're twenty six and a half years old. So they are all in, in American sports. That's considered veterans. When you're over twenty five, you're actually considered a veteran. And here we are now, this Man United team. They, they are all veterans, bar maybe one or two, like Garnacho coming on as a kid, Hannibal starting the game as a twenty year old as a kid. Mason Mount still relatively how old is Mason Mount now. I still think of him as young, though he's not young. 25, really. I think. 25, 24, 25. You know, but the rest of them, Scott, are stone-cold, sober pros. Yeah, they've been around the block. They know what to do. So this is when we talk about Bruno Fernandes. Um, just going back to that again, I don't want to go on the Bruno train because people say you hate Bruno and all this, and it's not that. But, like, someone tweeted me the other day, and they were like, when we signed Bruno, no one in world football wanted him. And that's a still that's still a thing. Like people still talk about that quite a lot to me. And I'm like, it wasn't really like that. He did really well for us in that first 12 months, didn't he? 18 months. He was absolutely sensational for Ole. He really, he was a guy who got us to second place in the league, undoubtedly. But now I think he's playing a more expansive leadership role, Scott. I don't know if he's up to it because I, I don't see leadership in this team. We've got experienced players, but just no leadership. And in that kind of game, Scott, you didn't need a Roy Keane. Yeah, you just needed. Someone who could go, like you needed a Vincent company. You needed someone to go, get the ball in the deck, lads, and play it around for five minutes and let's control the football match. 
United have got nothing like that. You know, there's just no one at the football club who could do anything like that. Lissandra Martinez is maybe the closest thing on the deck to be able to do that from the back. Do have some comments floating through from Eric Tenag on the, the Twitter feed. Well, some go. fundamental errors. You can't allow them at this level. We are all together. It's not only one. It's as a team we make errors. We were twice up. You don't expect this outcome. We expect more together. The players with me all together. I just expect more. I'm, I'm guessing there. Nah, 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 uh, yeah, he's just going talking about the errors. I do see like definitely. I, I understand that like, the criticism is going to come if Ten Hag keeps losing matches. He's going to get criticised, and I don't think anybody can say that he won't and that he doesn't deserve to get criticism because United should be beating Galatasaray at home. They should be beating Crystal Palace at home. They should not have lost four home games this season already. They did enough to beat Galatasaray tonight. They, they killed they they killed themselves. Yeah. I said that even the Crystal Palace game, I wrote a big long tweet about it in my match review. And I said Man United defeated themselves today. And tonight, Man United defeated themselves again. It was just deja vu, but in a different part of the pitch. So I think the thing is, again, I, I, I always think with managers, this is why I used to talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer quite a bit, is that Ole was really short on tactics. We knew that. Ole was very rudimental, very kind of like 4 2 3 one, double pivot. It was all very kind of static and silent at times. But the reason why he was like that was because he didn't really trust his players to do other stuff and United didn't buy more technical players. Now, Eric Ten Hag wants to play a more expansive style, but you can see tonight, Scott, United cannot do it. United can't get the ball down on the deck from the goalkeeper, who's supposedly the best ball-playing goalkeeper in the world, one of them, and the ball does not pop around that back line. What do you do? You, you haven't got the players to do it, have you? So you're going to have to change it. And this will be on Ten Hag now. You know, Ten Hag has to make sure that he finds ways to win football matches, even if he throws his plan out the bin, rip, rip, rip. Well, that's what he did gone. last year, wasn't it? I think and he might have to do it now. He might have to do it. Might have to do it again. Yeah, he might have to. Like this is the thing we talk about: players who are unpopular, whatever. So we know it's obviously even Jaden Sancho news today. So Jaden Sancho will probably be leaving the football club in January. Um, that's Jaden Sancho's problem. He hasn't said sorry, and Jaden Sancho's in the wrong. You are not in a position to get rid of these players if your players that you've got are not working. So Harry Maguire, let's talk about Harry Maguire, because I think Harry Maguire should be starting the next game now. He was really good in the cup game. Give him his juice. He was sat there today. I don't know if you saw him in front of Ten Hag. Ten Hag's giving it all this with his like coaches. What, <laughs> what's happening here? Let's chat. And Maguire sat there like, I kind of feel sorry for him. Because... You couldn't be any worse than them lot out there today. So you're going to have to rely on players that you don't really want to rely on. But that's the only way to change it when it's this bad. So if your defence is that bad, you have not got infinite changes or choices that you can make. Aaron says, this is rip plan mode already. There is no there is no more to come. I mean, I think what, what, I'm, what I mean there anyway is, I think what happened after the Brentford game last season was that they put a, a, a focus on keeping clean sheets yeah stopping teams scoring slowed themselves down slowed themselves down a little bit at the, at the mercy of obviously a, a style of play which is transitional and expansive in a sense and, and open but Ten Hag has tried this again and he hasn't uh, to me I, I don't think he's I think he's sticking to the plan that he's got it's just he's got a lot of uh, square pegs and round holes with the injuries that he's got um, but yeah I mean he said here, we were twice up controlling the game and then some errors, fundamental errors we made, you can't allow them. I 
he does deserve criticism. But looking at the errors those players made tonight, I can only imagine what he was thinking because he can't control what those players do on the pitch at all times. He can try and get in their brain, make them make the right decisions and that, that kind of thing. But they were just absolute brainless moments. Hmm. And poor, like Dallow's defense against Zaha was poor. Like It's just poor defending. You, just that's terrible. just the type of player, how good Dallow is. Yeah. Like with Zaha, in that scenario, is really easy to manage. Like Wilf Zaha was talking before about his battles with Aaron Wan-Bissaka, obviously two ex-Crystal Palace players. And, and Wan-Bissaka was saying before, that you just kind of got to stay goal side of him. And the thing is, Delo stays goal side of him and still loses him. And then just does a pathetic little hop in front of him, which takes the deflection. And I hate that because to me, that's always a defender. <coughs> Excuse me, a defender or any player. You know, when they turn their back and jump in the way, it's like they're pretending they're doing something. Where really all he had to do was just stand firm. If he's planted his feet and just stood there and let Zaha run into him, Zaha doesn't get shot off. Now, Delo must know that. He's not a kid. He's not 18. Yeah, he knows that all he's got to do is hold that line and stop the player getting a little bit of room. But then we saw Varane, you see, tracking back. And Varane didn't track back. So there's a whole load of problems there, isn't it? And they're all in individual issues as opposed to, say, a team shape or something like that. You know, uh, Wandering Propeller, you said just now, uh, shout out, thanks for the comment. I was actually going to bring this up earlier. This is why Eric Ten Hag wanted Frankie de Jong so much for the composure he would have brought. Yes, they, they couldn't get him. Yeah. And they've pivoted away from that profile of player, which is a little bit weird. Um, as maybe you get Amrabat, fitter, I don't know. I just about to say to you, as you get fitter and as players become available again, yada, 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 I think we've already seen in three games that Sofian Amrabat, when he is going to be running the midfield from the six to the eight, yeah, I think we will be loads better. I think we'll be a lot safer. I think you'll see the ball will, will not slip away from United in the way that we saw tonight. And you see that Amrabat's trying to do that, isn't he? From left back, he's inverting and coming in and kind of running the six, which worries me because Casemiro is a six and not running the six. And you're like, well, Casemiro ends up, ends up as an eight again and Amrabat's deeper and you're like feels wrong it's not it's not a proper shape they've clearly not trained to do that very long maybe a week or so it looks raw and then you lose a game because you've got these big channels running through the middle of your football team so I think when Amrabat is there but then what you do you're waiting for Luke Shaw you're waiting for Regulon to come back eventually you know I'm, for Regulon to come back I, I, I'm, 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 I'm so done we're talking about Victor Lindelof and Jugger Delo. I'm done with them I don't want them at the football club they do this too often where they have these calamities. Varane, I think, will be gone at the end of the season. So I think we'll be talking about new centre-backs. I like Martinez. I like Luke Shaw. I think Regulon started really well. And I think wan has been really good the last six to 12 months. So you've got a core of players there, Scott. But one injury and you're in a mess. Those two players, Delo and Lindelof, are not good enough for Manchester United if Man United want to be a Champions League team. No way. <sighs> What else do you want to touch on, Rob? We've been going for 45 minutes. It doesn't wow, feel like... Wow, it's gone quick, isn't it? 45 minutes. Um, what do people want to just talk about? You know, there's loads of people in the comments and stuff. So thank you again for commenting and joining us on this on this show where, where it's maybe a little bit more heated than a normal promised lands. I wouldn't um, say it's heated, is it? It's not heated. I feel more heated. Just, like, I normally do my prep, Scott, and look at stats, and I'm just come out the back of a game going, just finished work, and I'm just like, oh. But, um, yeah. 
I, I, I think Aaron's asking here how many how many games will Casemiro miss? Was it a straight red or a I second? Think one, isn't it? it was a second yellow card. Second yellow. And I, it wasn't it wasn't violent conduct as usual. So uh, you know, so it's it was just the one. <laughs> um, and you can't blame him for that moment because he's sliding in. And I actually think the reason why he does that. Like he does it to try and save the moment, but it is also because he wasn't moving for the ball when Anana's looking for him. He needs to kind of just pull out a little bit so he can spin on the ball and have a lot of space. Instead, he stood on the edge towards the box and then that ball doesn't get to him because I've read it because he's stationary. So I think that's why he kind of charged back like a bull in a china shop and made that tackle. It was obviously a red card, wasn't it? Yeah, I actually think... It was just a yellow because it was it. Did they give those as clear goal scoring opportunities now? They've changed the rule on that, that it's not a red card unless you're through on goal and there's no one around you. Yeah. Um, but it's the second yellow. He'd already been booked. So it was quite obvious he was going off the pitch. We, we do have some questions here. Um, one second. I got Ashish. Can't believe I missed the third live show. Please, can I get another shout out? Ashish from South Africa and Rob, thoughts on Onana? Does he have to weather his first season like De Gea? We did do a bit of Onana earlier in the show, but go on, Rob. That's a great comparison. Great comparison because everyone who's old enough, like me, remembers how bad De Gea was in year one, like really bad to the point where when he was I 19. Remember- yeah, he was 19. Exactly. So the, the age thing does matter, of course, but he was brought to be Man United's number one from day dot, and, and he was. You know, there wasn't really a lot of choices around at that time. Like, he was a very talented goalkeeper at 19 when you saw him when he came in. But there was that game against Newcastle, which I'm sure everyone remembers, where Andy Carroll went right through him and smashed him. And and that was the end of him. He got dropped out of the team after that. He got smashed. And he just couldn't be a goalkeeper for a bit. He was out of the team for two or three weeks. Fergie took him out of the firing line. Now, there is that opportunity here to do that with Anana. But it's a little bit of a different situation. But it is year one at the football club, which is probably the most dysfunctional football club in England. So, you know, every mistake you make will be amplified. But if you keep making those mistakes, you're probably going to get dropped, aren't you? Like, we've got another goalkeeper. Maybe it's time to give him a go. Like, Anana will be missing for the African Cup of Nations uh, because he obviously will be going on Cameroon international duty. So you're going to be having this goalkeeper playing for that five weeks. Maybe Anana needs to go and sit on the bench for a week or two and then you bring this lad in and... You let Anana settle down. What do you think, Scott? I don't know. <laughs> really Come on, Scott. Know. You work in football. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've done all. You've done everything. You've you said everything there, Rob. I mean, I am not convinced. I've got to say, it's uh, it's a bad start. I was no, more no. more than willing to give him a chance, obviously, because this is this is a Ten Hag choice. This is absolutely Definitely. an Eric Ten Hag choice, hmm. and you you're stuck with him. Yeah. You can't you can't drop him. You have to play him. Like for me, I the the goalkeeper that they've signed from from Turkey by India, he pretty will get some game time, but he's very much a firm number two. Andre mm-hmm. Onana is there to stay for this season at least. And if Ten Hag stays long term, if he somehow gets out of this mess, that's the keeper he's chosen. I agree. There's there's a lot of things that the players ahead of him aren't moving for him the the passes aren't always on this kind of thing but as a goalkeeper i mean he's not he's letting easy chances go past him yeah uh, and that is a concern larry healy compares him onana uh to bartes 2.0 i it's mean good, another good comparison comparison i mean and that's worrying 
Bartes was a World Cup winning goalkeeper. So like Fabian Bartes wasn't bad and he was probably ahead of his time in terms of the whole sweeper keeping thing. You know, like I think he actually played in pre-season once at fullback or, or on the wing or something because he was that good with his feet. But it, it, Anana has to be able to, I think this is why tonight, even though he gave that pass away and and there was a penalty, they, we would not punish for that, were we? It didn't go in the net. It, you, you got away with it. You dodged a bullet. But I'm really worried about his positioning goal. Like I'm not. I don't. I don't get this whole being stuck in the six-yard box. Like I, I didn't think he was that kind of goalkeeper. And I've watched him before. He's always been pretty progressive about how he closes angles down. But we saw it in preseason, and I was a little bit like, mm, "That's a bit strange." But it has carried on into the season now. And you see it where, like, where where Acardi does him there. I'm sorry, any goalkeeper has to come out and close that down. You have to come forward with your hands out, and you have to be ready to do that Schmeichel star shape to stop that ball because that's all you've got in your locker there. And he kind of just goes down and puts a hand up in the air and you just think, oh, and I think, is that confidence or is that ineptitude? It's it's a swing It's Manchester answer. United, Rob. It's Manchester United. And, and, and I, think, I think Ten Hag will feel really let down by individuals. But at the same time, players don't get sacked. You know, unless you're Jaden Sancho, maybe. But players don't get sacked and managers do. So I, I, I back Ten Hag fully. I don't think this is a, any kind of like, let's time to sack Ten Hag. I said in the, the previous show that you need to stick through this. But like you said, Scott, in the last show, you're going to get these horror displays where you're going to have to just suck it up and accept it. And that's kind of where we are, isn't it? Is that until you get through the injuries and buy some more players and bed players in and get more youth in the team and rotate a little bit more effectively. I don't think this team can rely on Varane because of the injuries. I don't think this team can rely on Casemiro. I don't think this team can rely on Bruno Fernandes. So you have to find players that you can rely on as we move forward. And that is not something you can solve in say the next two or three months. Uh, we'll we'll close up soon because uh, we've been going for a while. But best in Cantona again. Do you guys think Ten Hag will get the time he needs? I will say that I feel like the club are behind him. Hmm. But if you're a Man United manager, you can't. The run that they're on cannot continue. Like I said on the last show, that I'd be happy to take a season if it meant that everything above was corrected, if it meant that, oh, oh no, we don't have Champions League football, we don't have any, but we don't have any Europe either. Just try and facilitate uh, whatever is going to happen with the ownership. Get, mm. get the change made and try and start again if it means that we stop falling through this cycle. Because I think I, I'm really hesitant to say that, well, I, I really don't want to see this happen because I, I like Ten Hag. I think he's mm. got he's got some of the minerals to, to be able to do the job. But at the same time, he, he's going to have to, he's going to have to stop trusting players. He's going to have to go with players that will actually do his instructions. And this is the thing. Like, I think you look at all the experienced heads in there and like this, it's going to be a while till all these injured players come back. But I look at someone like, this is going to sound terrible. Someone like Kobe, you know, who is actually mobile and got able to, start. to you, you know, like there, there's no choice. It's, it's, it's so stupid to say that you can just rely on a 17, 18 year old kid, or you can just throw him in. But it seems like a, at least he could, he's got the essentials there to be able to carry out what Ten Hag wants to do. It's either he does that 
to try and find players who fit the profile of the positions that he wants properly rather than doing square pegs and round holes outside of the injury crisis that they have. It's either that or he reverts back to last season. And, and you can be braver with you. You can be braver with you because you can say to them, if you make mistakes, you're learning. Yeah, I'm not brave with Casemiro. I'm not brave with Bruno Fernandes. It's not about bravery with those players. I look at Kobe Manu and there's no doubt that he can quickly develop in something really, really good. But you have to just take the rough with the smooth. You know, like there was a joke, obviously, about when United were looking at Jude Bellingham and one of the reasons he didn't come to the football club is because he knew he'd be sat on the bench for weeks and months and forevermore. So he went to a team that would play him. And Dortmund didn't sign him as a kid and go, well, we're not going to play you. They said, you're going to come here, you're going to play. And we, you know, all right, we are only the second best team in Germany, but we're going to play you. Now, Man United, the heat is, is a lot hotter here, of course, but look what Hannibal has done in just three or four games. Absolutely showed he's gone from being a completely no one to now someone that you can use in your team. Kobe Manu will do that as well. And I said just a few days ago, Scott, you're going to have to bench players that people go, oh, you've benched that player today. That's interesting. And you've gone with a kid. Because it's not just about trust. It's about who can actually do the job. Yeah, And Kobe Manu is technically good enough to be better than any of those number eights we saw out there today. I don't care how many Champions Leagues you've got. Kobe Manu's going to be better than you. Yeah, to, I think today was it's the simple. day that I was, I, I'm just, I, I've now changed. I think the Varane, Casemiro thing, you know, I, you've known it was coming for a while, but now yeah. it's like, okay, like we've we've got to do something now. I think this is the, if even if it, this is the time where, you got to look forward, and I think both of them have to go in the summer. Like they both, they both have Saudi offers on the table. Their Saudi Saudi offers will be reactivated again at some point. And Manchester United might actually be able to make a pretty penny out of these players just by selling them off to Saudi Arabia. And I'm sure that they can go to that league and you know earn a lot of money and you know win a lot more football matches. We've seen what Cristiano's doing out there, so they see that and go, oh well, we, we can you know elevate our career here, keep carrying on and earning really good money. And I think that they will also realise pretty quickly, Scott, and I think Casemiro is in that process definitely, of realising that the Premier League's a beast. It's a hard work. Like, you're going to get caught out. Tonight, I said uh, after the Palace game that United are more suited to Champions League football than Premier League football with their team. And yet even tonight, we saw Galatasaray, a Turkish team, do Man United in transition in the second half because they don't have any presence in the number six. They've we got will... medals in the number six. Yeah. They just haven't got what you need, and that's the fundamentals. And if Kobe Manu was playing 6-8 tonight with Amrabat, and maybe even Eriksen as a ball player, I think you have a better, solid, more mid more fluid midfield in terms of ball on the deck, in terms of work rate, and in terms of energy. You just don't get that, I think, with, with some of these main protagonists that we talk about every week. Uh, Ashish, uh, on last question, or one last question. When you finish finish fourth in the Champions League, do you go to the Conference League or out of Europe completely? It's out of Europe completely. Uh, so that yeah. is... Oh, do you not get into Conference How do you get into no, Conference League? You, conference League, you, you drop out of the Europa League group stages in third right. place. Yeah. Um, PJ, I think that this is... I'll make this the last comment. PJ, Real Madrid made such a smart move passing on their deadweight to United. Look what they replaced them with as Jude Bellingham scores another goal flanked by Kamavinga and Chouamani in the midfield while United have a Casemiro problem that we all knew. As much, as good as it was at the time to have Casemiro in, we knew who the smarter, smarter club was there and we know who the beneficiaries of this is. 
you know, United made that choice because they needed a player like Casemiro at the time, and it worked for a season it, it, or for seven months or say that. But a properly run club, Six months, a properly run club yeah. makes the decision Real Madrid made on offloading Casemiro for a price which was great for them that they could Outrageous. reinvest. I think Camavinga cost like well, twenty five million euros or something like that. Not not massive money. And then you've got Chuamani and you've got Jude Bellingham and you've got um, Fede Valverde in there as well. That's their midfield set for, for a decade. United now have to pass on Casemiro, you know, after a season or two. Yeah, and uh, we, we did a show when Casemiro was signed and you and me were both sceptical. We were like, okay, like we know what Casemiro is. We know what he's not. And what do Man United need? Well, they need a number six. He's still maybe probably the best number six in the world, trademark, et cetera, et cetera. But he was very much fourth stroke, fifth fifth choice at Real Madrid. And Man United paid 600, six, 60 million plus, is he on 350 grand a week? 350 mm. grand a week for Real Madrid's fifth choice defend, uh, defensive midfielder. <laughs> like, you know, that's crazy. We're talking about it like that. And what have Real Madrid done? They've reinvested that money into Jude Bellingham and spent what they needed and Man United are stuck here now. So it's really easy to look back and say, you know, or oh, we told you so and all that. It's not really about that. It's more about Man United's recruitment and how Man United look forward. Because I think that looking at Varane, the easiest thing to do would have been spending 45 million on on uh, Kim and Jane. We wouldn't be talking about this now. We just wouldn't be talking about it. We'll be talking about it in a different way. And if you can get Kobe into the team now, you might get away with the whole thing with Casemiro. You might just get away with it. Or if you get Amrabat somewhere in there. I like Amrabat in his first few games, Scott. I don't know about you. I think he's been the big positive in terms of ball on the deck, energy, aggression, and doing all the right things that you want a player to do and taking responsibility. But yes, he's not a left back. So I think there are bits that you can cover when everyone comes back, but you've got you've got problems now. Like you have to solve the here and now. You have to solve... Carrington, like after the day of tomorrow when they come back, you're going to have to tell these players exactly what you think of them. And they're either going to respond well, Scott, and go win the next match, or they'll respond badly and they might get you sacked. Like you talked about player power recently. I think that's the only way that players do get you sacked is if they just stop believing in your methods. I don't believe that's the case here. I just think that they're just stupid. They're not capable of it. They're just idiots. Yeah. And and a lot of that well, idiocy was there with Ole. Like, you know, it's still, it's the same players that we still kind of talk about with the same, you know, the same brush that we're painting these issues with. Um, and you need to get rid of a few. Like, you, you should have done that in the summer and you didn't. And I think that's on Richard Arnold. Will G says, cheers for the show tonight, lads. Feel a little better, a little bit better, I think. Well, hopefully we help one person at least. Um, but we will wrap it there because we've been going for over an hour now. And it is it is getting late. Uh, but yeah, Man United 2, Galatasaray 3. United have zero points in the Champions League. They now need to win. They need to go unbeaten for the rest of the group. Need to win three at least. Hmm. Um, probably four games to, to qualify from the group. It's not looking good, Rob. It's not looking good. Um, but I think we should go for someone like Graham Potter. Long-term we'll, build. We'll end the show there. <laughs> no. Uh, so... <laughs> Ten Hag in still. Like, I, 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 I watched that. He has to deal with this, but this is what it's about. Isn't it? When you, adversity. Fergie had to do this. 
Yeah, for three years, he his team was garbage when I was a kid. Absolute garbage. It's worse than what we saw tonight. It was terrible. And he had to build it. But he, but there's no way that this manager is going to get any longer than 10 minutes because that's what Manchester United is. And if, there, if we keep losing games and the players fall away like this, then... Yeah, unfortunately, we will be talking about who the next manager will be. And I, I really don't want to have that conversation at the moment. Like, who's out there to, to do it? Aka Smet says, smells like Conte in here. Oh, God, it does smell it, like Conte. Stop making the same mistake over and over again. But, but anyway. But yeah, they do, but, don't they? You know, they do. They make the same mistake over and over again, don't they? Yeah, we we got to. I'm good. I'm I'm done. We've got to go. We've got to go. <laughs> uh, this will be available on audio. Not that you'd want to listen to it a second time, but uh, subscribe, please, wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't subscribed, th- thanks so much for um, joining the show. If you have uh, in the last hour or so and stuck with us and le- leaving comments, plenty of them coming in. Really appreciate the support. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully we we made somebody feel a little bit better about whatever we saw tonight because that was goddamn awful subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on youtube the promise and the manchester United podcast like the video subscribe leave a comment as well and follow us on social media at double underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at promise and mu for the show good night rob and uh good, good night, morning scott. to you if you're listening on audio tomorrow or in the next few days before united play uh Oh, mind you, we'll be back later this week. Oh, God, to look ahead to Brentford. It doesn't wherever, stop, Scott. <laughs> wherever United go from here. It does stop, actually, after the Brentford game for the international Oh, internationals, break. yeah. Oh, Brentford. So, and then it's Man City, I think. Glory, glory, Man United. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. And uh, I'm go- I-, I think I might have to go and sit and watch the highlights. Just to oh. well, I'll see what Eric Ten Hag has said. I'm but... going to go to bed and pretend football yeah. doesn't exist. I've got to go to work tomorrow. Great. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. See you soon. Really appreciate the support. See you soon. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.